Whoa, are we ready, ladies and gentlemen, to praise the Lord here today? What a great song by Elevation Worship. Brandon Lake, Chris Brown, Chandler Moore, the entire Elevation Worship team rising up here on LFA TV. I hope you guys are up. I hope you're out of your beds. I hope you got your coffee brewing. I hope you got a smile on your face. I hope you got your hands up. I hope you've already prayed because it is time for Rise Up, folks. The only Godcast at 9 a.m. on Rumble.com that is going to have this much Holy Spirit that's going to have this much um, gospel spreading. And, uh, you know, I don't think there's, Eli, I don't think there's another show at 9. I know there's a great show at 8, uh, but I don't think there's a show at 9. Anyway, guys, God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for joining in today. Got a great show for you. Got a great podcast, good message, and it is called Everything Matters. <laughs> yeah, you cut your hair. It's cold out. I know. I know. Uh, rising up with the eye of the tiger, says Scotty. You got to love it. Shan says, I love Brandon Lake. Uh, for my daughter's birthday, we're actually get, we're going to see Elevation Worship in uh, Boston. So um, totally, totally excited by that. Not that Chris Brown. <laughs> Not that Chris Brown. I doubt you can... You know, live the lifestyle that he lives. And uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Dancing like David, Jeremy. I'm telling you what, that song, Elevation Worship, out of all um, worship music that's out today, that's fresh and new, Elevation Worship every time, every single time. They get me juiced up. They get me jacked up, ready to go. I'm on fire. The Holy Spirit comes alive on the inside. Um Early, 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 Kittenhead. Yes, very early, Heidi. God bless you and thank you for joining in. Okay, everything matters. Literally, everything matters. That's the title of today's show. And um, again, always got great devotional to go through. We're actually going to be reading from the book of Ecclesiastes today. So if you have your Bibles, you can get your, um, you can get your Bibles opened up to the book of Ecclesiastes and we're going to be going through a little bit of that today. We're going to be discussing uh, what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. Um, and since we're talking about dancing, right, it's, and I'm up here dancing like David for the Lord, it's only fitting that we have Ecclesiastes as the message today. Uh, and it always brings me back to that movie Footloose, Eli. Remember that when they tried to outlaw dancing and singing and all that in the town, which is so weird. Anyway, but then at the end, right, Kevin Bacon reads from the book of Ecclesiastes to John Lithgow and the rest of the town. And he says, the God says, is a time to dance? Is a time for this? Is a time for that? It's a time for everything, right? And you should express yourself. You should express your joy like David did through dance. So, you know, everything matters. And there is a time for everything. So we're going to be going uh, through that today. And, you know, some stories and some conversation and this, that, and the other. Uh, but before we go to prayer, let's go to the, dis- the description of today's show, um, which I, which I uh, typed up, God created everything. So if God created everything, then everything must matter. You can't tell me in one sentence that God created everything everything in existence, but there are things that don't matter. That doesn't make any sense to me because God is perfect in his creation. As a matter matter of fact, after his creation, he sat down, he relaxed, and he said, everything is good. So if everything is good that he created, then everything matters. And the reason why everything matters is because everything has a consequence. Every action, every word, Every dialogue, every discussion has a domino effect. So everything does matter. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It all matters and it's all meaningful because actions and words have consequences and everything that you do changes the course of history. It's also being watched and it will also be judged. Everything that you do. So we're going to talk about that today, folks. So again, have your books open to the book of Ecclesiastes. And let's go to the Lord in prayer now, okay? 
Oh, Lord and Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Lord, every so often in this journey with your son, Jesus, we find something new about ourselves that we didn't know previously. We're, we're, we're ever-changing in this life with Christ, in this journey with Jesus. We are transforming every single day to be more like him. So when we ask ourselves, what, what would Jesus do? How does anybody really answer that? I mean, we all strive to be like him, and there's never been anybody that's even close. What a blessing that he is to have in our lives. Lord, today, help us understand with the guidance of the Holy Spirit just how everything that we do and say matters. Just how powerful that our words and our actions are here on earth. And since everything matters that we do, Lord, let us continue to transform to be more like Jesus so that when somebody asks us in every situation, what would Jesus do? We know the answer instinctively. Lord, there's going to be a lot of people that need to hear this message today. So I pray that you weigh it on their hearts to stay awake, get out of bed, wake up, rise up, and hear the message. Lord, thank you for being with me every day. Thank you for holding me accountable. And thank you for protecting the LFA family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, what do we got? We got about a thousand people watching. Good morning and God bless each and every one of you. Um, I want you to open your books to the book of Ecclesiastes. And what we're going to do right now is I'm going to read to you from understanding the 66 books of the Bible. And we're going to go through Ecclesiastes. The New York Times recently reported on the upsurge of students in the philosophy courses at major universities. According to the paper, young people are seeking philosophical answers to their growing confusion and disillusionment. Well, they need to read Ecclesiastes, the Bible's built-in philosophy course written by Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament. After promising, after a promising start, Solomon was drawn away from the Lord by the influences of his foreign wives. The resulting despair probably prompted him to write this book. We can track Solomon's spiritual and intellectual progress by reading all three of his books. Song of Solomon represents Solomon as a young kid, energetic, full of zeal for God, Proverbs represents his mature years and sage advice. Ecclesiastes represents his sunset years as he looked back and realized his light was unfulfilled by money, unfulfilled by possessions, unfulfilled by education or pleasure. Basically, a massive life regret looking back on it. Hindsight. The premise of Ecclesiastes is that life is meaningless unless God is acknowledged. God has put eternity in our hearts, and without eternal values, we'll always be looking for substitutes. Everything under the sun is vanity and a chasing after the wind. Famous, famous quote. Ecclesiastes tells us that without God, life is as empty as the wind. But the fear of the Lord is a basis for wisdom and fulfillment. And that's the only sound philosophy that there is in this entire human life. As Solomon sums up in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, let's, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments 
for this is the whole duty of man. Just so happens, folks, that before I even decided to read from this book today, when God gave me Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, it just so happened to align perfectly with what I just read. And by the way, for all of you who really like a God-centered program, at 9 p.m., right after Roger Stone's Stone Zone, here on LFA TV on Rumble, there's a great show called Trumpet Daily. And that is hosted by a man named Stephen Flurry, another very God-centered man. And also, I'm going to get back to that conversation here in a little bit. Because I have a story to tell you. So make sure you check out Trumpet Daily, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, every day here after Roger Stone's Stone Zone. Now, when you say to people, Christ is coming back, you're going to get a lot of mixed responses. You're either going to hear, yeah, okay, keep telling that one, guy. You're going to hear, I don't care, you're an idiot. Shut up, there is no God. And you might even hear from many believers, yeah, but that's not going to be for thousands of years. You don't have to worry about that. How many of you have heard when you've said Christ is coming back, people give one of those answers? People mock Jesus Christ in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. They mock his second coming as well. Other religions mock Jesus as well. Fair game, I guess. We do the same. We shouldn't, but we do. So if somebody answers you, a believer answers you, yeah, but it's not going to be in our lifetime. Because a lot of people don't see Revelation coming, like literally forming right before their eyes. A lot of people don't see those signs that we're looking at. So they go, those signs haven't happened yet. It's going to be thousands of years. My answer, no, you're going to see him in about 25 to 50 years if you don't die tomorrow. You might see him tomorrow. That's the answer. You're going to see him in about 25 to 50 years. So whether he comes here or you go there, it really does not make a difference because one way or another, you are going to stand before him within your human lifetime. So it doesn't matter if it's a 1,000 years. It doesn't matter if it's 500 years or 100 years from now. You're going to see him a lot sooner than a lot of other people. So remember that. Remember how finite your time here is on earth. And remember that after here, Your spirit will be alive for eternity. One way or another. Again, whether Jesus comes here or you go there, your spirit will be alive for eternity. But the reason why everything matters is because what you do here will determine what happens to you there. Every day counts. Every day matters. Every decision matters. Every word that we say matters. If you pray, it matters. If you don't pray, it matters. Every time you listen to Father God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit and you follow what they're telling you you should do or you follow that guidance, it matters. If you don't follow 
it matters. Everything matters because God created everything. This is the Christian life, folks. You cannot hit the replay button. You cannot respawn like a video game. There are no do-overs. There is no replay. So because we know all of that that I just mentioned, we need to live each and every single day, A, believing in God, Yahweh, I am, whatever you want to call him. And then accepting the fact that he sent himself in a human form, limited his power so he could live like a human, so that he could speak to humans in a very coherent way, and then died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day and left us with the Holy Spirit. If you do that every single day of your life, we'll see joy. Every single day, you will have joy in your life. That's a promise. That is an absolute fact, promise. If you do those things, Every day of your life, you will experience joy. But you'll also experience a sense of seriousness. You'll also get a sense of understanding as to why you have that joy. Because fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't have that wisdom, then you don't have the fear of God. And not the kind of fear that you and I talk about when you say, I fear roller coasters. No, no, no. Fear the magnitude. Fear the awesome power of the very being that created you and every thought you have and everything you do and every decision you make and everything that you get and everybody that comes into your life was created by this being. So he that has the power to giveth definitely has the power to taketh away. And guess what? He doesn't take it away. He still gives to you. So when you decide that when you're done on this planet, that you don't want to be with him, that's your decision, not his. Up until the very last moment, he wants you to make the other decision. God sends no one to hell. God burns no one. God brings no agony, pain, God brings no fear, deceit, or lies to your life. Yes, he is all powerful. Yes, he is all good. But yes, he is also all fair and justified in doing what he does. And he allows you, in all of his power, in all of his awesomeness, he allows you to decide what you want to experience both here and over there. This is the only life that you know like this that you'll ever have. The only one. And the only one that he's ever going to give you. Don't squander it. Don't be hopeless. I never understood why a non-believer like I was once won't accept the fact that there's a God even in the just-in-case situation, but yet they have car insurance, health insurance, and house or rental insurance. You're putting your money and your faith into a corporate company that cares nothing for you and only about the money that you give them just in case something happens. But you will not give that same kind of faith and trust your soul, the thing that is infinite, not finite like money, with God just in case he might be real. Isn't that weird? I challenge you to ask any unbeliever or any non-believer, any atheist agnostic if they have insurance. Because you've heard that old saying, right? If I'm right, or if I'm wrong and you're right, 
If I'm wrong in saying there's a God and you're right, then no harm, no foul. I lived my life in joy. I lived my life with hope. And I lived my life trying to be a better person every day and trying to be selfless and be meek. No harm, no foul. Matter of fact, chose a good life. But if I'm right and you're wrong, whoa. So just for insurance purposes alone, you would think that you would want to go that way. I'm just saying. So everything that you do here, everything that you say, every action that you take, every word that comes out of your mouth, and mine as well, is going to have consequences over there as well. So yes, everything matters. Now, take a drink of my Rise Up Coffee. By the way, folks, please visit lfatv.us or jeremyherald.com and you can get yourself three different kinds of coffee. We have the Rise Up American Pecan We have the decaf version of that same exact flavor. And we have the Rise Up Dark Roast Sumatra Gold. So all of those are available on JeremyHarrell.com. And while you're at it, might as well get your Rapture Ready t-shirt and hat to match. So you can, you know, act like a pro. Kittenhead said... I have my son in Bible, even though he said he doesn't believe in God. And I said, I know you don't want this, but I literally said to him, just in case. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Parents that are out there that go, I'm going to let my children make the choice. I'm not going to push anything on them. We are not a religious family. I'm going to let my children make the choice. I can guarantee you that if you don't give them God, Jesus Christ, and the Savior as one of those choices, it will never be one of their choices. Never. The Bible says you must raise your kids up with awareness of God. You must bring your kids up with the awareness and the, um, and the, uh, the, the fact that God is real. Now, once they become 18 or whatever, they can make their own minds up. Hey, that is what it is. But if you don't choose what your children are exposed to, then the world will choose. And the Bible says that is like putting your child into the mouth of a hungry lion. That is, that's one of the worst things that you can do. Do you know? I, want to, I, I got a couple stories to tell you here. Do you know that my mother, in all of her decisions that she's made in her life, both good and bad, my mother did put us through Sunday school when we were young. I was exposed to God. Lulu Red said, Jeremy, my BFF just called me, said she's watching you now, and she's hooked. She loves Rumble now. Well, that's good. That's how we spread the gospel. That's how we bring new people to the word. So my mom did expose us, me and my brother, me and my sisters at that time, to the word of God when we were very young. I remember going to, um, to Sunday school. I remember going to Bible school. I remember looking at the pictures of the giants. I always loved that when I, you know, the Nephilim. Like, that's what's weird, like, that we're even talking about Nephilim today, and it was, like, so many years, it was, it was silent. And now the, the, the talk of Nephilim is, is popular again. Well, when I was a kid, I remember looking at all the pictures in the children's Bibles, and I remember reading the stories of the ark, Moses parting the sea, and the giant Nephilim. I remember those three stories. So I just want, I, I'm making this, I'm telling you this story to make a point. My mother, a non-believer at the time, exposed us to God for the same reason that we exposed our kids to God in 2016. Because we figured that if they have at least a good foundation, because you're nobody that goes to, I mean, people go to church, they want to be better, right? So if you're a non-believer, you go, you know what? I don't believe in all that stuff, but I know you guys are good people. I know Christians are good people. Well, that was why my mom wanted to give us a, um, expose us to God, to church, to Christianity, because she knew that there was good people in church. Same reason we did it in 2016, my wife and I. Uh, fortunately for us, that was God's way of, you know, taking our, uh, you know, bring, having us bring him our children, and then we followed. So, uh, unfortunately for my mom, that didn't happen like that, but it's happening now. 
So my mom exposed me to Bible school or pre or whatever you want to call it, Sunday school, literally for like a year. And here I am today, 100% all in for Jesus. You couldn't get me to not believe in God if you tortured me like you did my Savior. So if you expose your kids to the truth, the truth will stay with them until it is time to manifest itself again in their adult lives. She only took us for like a year. We didn't even grow up in a church family. We didn't grow up going to church. I don't even think we ever went to church. I just think we went to Sunday school. Eileen says, I loved Sunday school. Lord, bless Renee for this. Draw her heart closer to you and bring your presence to her in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you, because I don't think my mom remembers that she did that. So somebody was guiding her to do that. She wasn't even a believer, right? So you, it, it, it definitely matters. If everything matters, then what you expose your children to matters. And if you're going to let the world expose everything to them, then why not let them be exposed to something that you know produces good people, whether it's real or not? That's the way I tell people. Whether you believe it's real or not, why not just... We know that the people that go to church are trying to be better people. We know that the people that are going there are trying to get well, trying to get rid of their sickness, which is sin. We at least know that. So even if there is no God, even if you believe that there is no God, at least you have to know that those people are trying to produce good works. So why wouldn't you introduce that part as well? And I'll tell you why. It's because parents fear God. Parents know he's real and they don't want any part of him in their lives. That is a rejection of the Holy Spirit, my friends. Jeremy, are Nephilim's real? The Bible says they are. It actually even says the exact name. (laughs) The exact name. And if you really, really, really do your research, every piece of evidence alludes to the fact that there were so many of them, hybrid angel human babies, that that's why Moses flooded the earth. But you have to really, really, really do a lot of research and really dig into that and read other scriptures, and read the, uh, you know, the, 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 the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Book of Enoch, which I'm, I've never read all the way through, which I'm reading now. Um, but yeah, Nephilim were real. Very, 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 very real. But go in the Book of Genesis, and you'll read all about them. Not a lot, but you'll read enough to know that they were real, and then you can, you know, go on and curb your enthusiasm uh, reading other scripture, other Uh, or other um, writings and historical, you know, notes from the past, Um, including, like I said, including the book of Enoch. Um, If you watch online church, may I suggest Pastor Greg Locke, he preaches the truth, he's on fire for God. Yeah, Pastor Greg Locke does his thing. You know, we all, everybody out there who's trying to, you know, that can't contain the Holy Spirit has a different way of letting it out, I'll tell you that. Uh, Julie Green, really, really great to listen to. Absolutely. Demonic hybrid fallen angels. Human. Yep, that's right. That's right. I put an Ephilim video in the LFA chat yesterday, said Redneck. Well, there you go. Um, Just like dinosaurs were real. Of course they were. Of course they were. Sherry says, Jeremy, wasn't there a skeleton of a Nephilim found? You never know what's real these days. Hard to tell. Most likely, yeah. Most likely, yeah. But you never know these days. All right. Um, I think now would be a good time. Um, So I wanted to go and watch this video from Kirk Cameron. All right. Now, you guys know Kirk Cameron has a podcast called Takeaways with Kirk Cameron. And he has a lot of people on that show, a lot of celebrities and other people that have, you know, given their life to God. And he's got a great conversation uh, podcast. Plus, Kirk Cameron is a great man of God, and he works very closely with Ray Comfort and the Living Waters team. They've made films and, and documentaries for, for, de- for decades together. Um, but Kirk Cameron, uh, as you guys know, when he, when he wrote his children's book, 2023, uh, earlier in 2023, he was having a hard time getting into libraries. And, I mean, since we're talking about everything matters, I want you to take away uh, from this series of interviews that I'm about to show you 
That's about five minutes or six minutes or so, but I think it's great. And, uh, you know, everything that Kirk Cameron does really just inspires me. I think he's a great man of God. And um, JB, make it. The book of Enoch is a heretical, heretical book, meaning it directly attempts to confuse Christians. You should not say you are reading that book without the context of what you are doing. A, I did tell you the context that I was doing. I was reading the book of Enoch, A, just to read it and educate myself, but B, to, to, to find out more about Nephilim because Enoch wrote a lot about Nephilim. Also, Enoch was one of the most revered people on earth ever by God, and God took Enoch up with him. So the writings of Enoch matter, whether they decided to put it in the Bible or not. Um, it still is a relevant piece of writing, a relevant piece of historical writing. And I think it's really cool to read all these different things that the Bible does allude to that other pieces of scripture or other things, um, uh, you know, allude to as well. And I don't think it was meant to confuse Christians. There were no such thing as Christians when Enoch was, you know, around. So, you know, I'm just saying I like education. I like to read as much as I possibly can. I don't take Enoch as, as uh, holy scripture. I take it as historical writing. Um, and it actually ties in a lot with what the Bible says. So, you know, that's why, if you needed context. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk Cameron. Recently, when I published a children's book about the fruit of the spirit and asked to go to public libraries to do a, a, a story time. I saw that, yeah. Over 50 woke libraries denied me. Wow. To talk about love, kindness, patience, goodness, self-control. Wow. However, they gave the green light to drag queen story hours. Mm. And the reasoning was, they said, our community is not going to be interested in your kind of messaging. And they would label it as hateful and all these kinds of things. I'm thinking, really? So I showed up there at those libraries after I reminded them that we have a constitutional right at a public library to talk about such things as love and joy and kindness and peace, and 2,500 people showed up. Oh my up goodness. And overwhelmed the sixth <laughs> floor of the Indianapolis Public Library. And what that said to me is, wait a minute, we do live in a cancel culture, mm. but the perception is not always the reality. And there are those who want us to perceive that we are so in the minority and so archaic in our thoughts, believing the Bible, that nobody wants to hear it. And the mm. opposite was true when I came to share about biblical wisdom. And mm. I think that we need to know that God has written a story where perception is not real. It doesn't always line up with reality and you don't realize it until the end. Jesus gets crucified. Christianity's over. The leader of the whole movement just died. Mm -hmm. Uh-uh. Stick around, stick around. A couple pages later, he rises from the grave and he sends mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit now mm -hmm. and he says, disciple the nations, take the world. I'm with you on three. Mm -hmm. And we got to remember that. That's amazing. I followed that story. I had no idea 2,500 people yeah. showed up. I didn't, like, I didn't expect that either. And these were parents, grandparents, and in the middle of the, the Q&A that I uh, uh, facilitated after the story reading to the children, there were grandparents there who asked if we could please sing God Bless America in the public library. That's amazing. And you had teachers, librarians, children, and grandparents, and concerned Americans just saying, thank you for speaking up. Most of us are afraid to, but wow. you're giving us courage. And, and again, yeah. Not that I'm full of courage, but I know that it is a more fearful thing to stay silent in the public square because history mm -hmm. tells us this turns into Venezuela, Cuba, China, and North Korea real fast mm -hmm. if we don't speak up and think and act biblically. You and I are part of a tradition where Elijah goes, hey God, I'm the only one. So whether there are people or not, he speaks up. Daniel speaks up. Like this is a movement that's not aiming for popularity. We need to speak truth no matter what it costs us. But the reality is today, I think you're right. There's a whole lot of people who are feeling afraid to speak up because they'll get canceled. Mm. And when somebody says, you know what? There is a view of sexuality. We think it's right and we're gonna criticize this. That gives a lot of other people courage. It just does. The more people that speak up and are bold in their faith, emboldens me and emboldens other people. So it yes. takes leaders to step out there. Now, God's given you and I different platforms, which is awesome. We can do this, but that's true for everybody. 
everybody in their school classroom it could be, it could be in their neighborhood, in their family, in the right way, you never know who's watching. That's right. And it often takes one person to just say, you know what, I don't think that's true that motivates people around them. So we need a lot more people to stand up and just speak truth with the right spirit and with love. And I think, I think you're right. There's an awful lot of people who would follow that. People say, what do I do? What do I do? I ask them, are you the same person publicly that you are privately? That's the most important thing that mm. you just have to do. Are no more disguising person? yourself when you leave your home. No more that you got to put on the jersey of being kind of this like secular liberal when you're at work. No. You are living under the tyranny of other pressure. Yes, you might lose your job. Yes, you might lose your friends. But the moment that you have to now pretend to be somebody you're not in social situations, then they've won. The minute that breaks, then all of a sudden they're going to start to lose. Their power is in their ability to make us to conform. It is a biblical teaching to not conform to the ways of this world. Yet so often, Kirk, the number one piece of feedback I get on our program here on our podcast, and you've been on our podcast before, Kirk, I'd love to have everyone check it out, is that they tell us, Charlie, I am afraid. I will lose this, 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 this. And I say, that fear is a tactic used by the enemy to silence truth. And that is why I said yesterday that fear, well, I didn't say, the Bible says, that fear is one of those things that will get Jesus to reject you. If you live a fearful life and you don't do what the Bible says and have no fear in the name of Jesus Christ, then that is not trusting in God. So if there's a lot of fearful people out there, you might really, really, really want to, you know, examine why you're afraid, what you're afraid of, and then figure out a way with God to overcome that fear because you're not going to do it yourself. Now, I want to tell you a story. By the way, did you, you heard what uh, Kirk Cameron said in the beginning of that. He said that they said, the, the library said that the people of that community don't want to hear that message. And when he went anyway, 2,500 people showed up at a library. That's like concert numbers. You know what I mean? People thirst for God. But the world has figured out a way to silence everybody out of fear. Remember, everything that you do matters and everything that you don't do matters. So if you're not out there preaching what you know to be true, that God has weighed on your heart, that matters. Jesus is up there going, come on. Come on, Pearl. Come on, Kelly. Come on, Shan. Come on, Jeremy. Come on, Mustache. Come on, Amanda. Do me this solid. You've got an opportunity here. Say something about me. Come on. Uh, you didn't use that as an opportunity to mention my name. Okay. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the angels, and yes, God, the great I am himself, are cheerleading for you in heaven. So if you don't brag about God, then you are not doing what they want you to do and what they're cheerleading you to do. And yes, folks, it matters. Not only the bad things that you don't do, the good things that you don't do matters. And it's a scary thought when you really think about it. And it should scare you. And not the fear that God tells you not to have, the fear of the Lord. Now I'm going to play something for you. Very controversial. You're not going to like this in any way, shape, or form, but you need to see it. You need to see it because you need to know what's coming here. Now, Eli, you know that the number one most popular baby name in the UK for 2022 was Muhammad. They do a thousand-year war to try to spread Islam. Islam. 
a fake religion with a fake prophet. Okay? Now, when they say Allah is the only God for you to pray to, they're not lying. Allah is God. Allah, who they think is God, is the same God who the Jews think is God and who we think is God, the great I am. The difference is we have Jesus, the Jews have nothing, and the Muslims have who they call the last prophet after Jesus. But what they're doing in the UK right now, in massive numbers, converting young teenage Christian boys who know no better, have no idea who they're giving their allegiance to, Satan. It's coming here. Put this on the screen. Let's roll it. Ashadu Anna Muhammadan Abduhu Warasulu I Finn I Finn Bear witness. There's no deity worthy of worship. There's no deity worthy of worship. Except Allah. Except Allah. And I Finn. And I Finn. Bear witness. That Muhammad. Is his messenger. Is his messenger. And final prophet. And final prophet. Of Allah. Everything you do matters, and everything that you don't do matters. So a lot of people criticize me for learning as much as I possibly can about these other religions and these other writings because they say you shouldn't be reading any of that. And the reason why they say you shouldn't be reading any of that is because you are subject to start following it. It could entice you. Not when you are so strong in the faith of Jesus Christ and the Lord our God as I am. I want to know why these people believe what they believe. So, I've been studying Muhammad. And I've got some fun facts that you might not know about Muhammad. Would you like to know them? Good, because after I tell you this story, after I tell you these, I have a quick story to tell you before we finish the show today. Muhammad claims that the first time that God or any spirit came onto him, let me describe for you how that happened just so you understand who Muhammad really is. Do you remember when I told you the story about selling my soul to the devil in 2005 so that I could be famous in the music industry? I went on for another 10 years in the music industry and I sold my soul. You guys remember all that, right? Remember what I told you about having sleep paralysis that night, but it it wasn't sleep paralysis. It was a weight paralysis. Remember how I told you that somebody came in the room, turned the doorknob. I heard it with my physical human ears and all of a sudden something was on me and I could not move. I could not breathe. I could not talk. I could not do anything. I felt like the weight of the world was pushing me down into my mattress. I felt like Satan himself was pulling my soul out of my body, ripping it out of my body. The soul that I didn't have the power or the authority to sell in the first place because it didn't belong to me. Remember when I told you all of that? Well, that's how Muhammad describes the angel of the Lord coming on to him. That right there should tell each and every person that ever, 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 ever followed the teachings of Muhammad in Islam that that right there is wrong. God does not force himself on you. God does not put you in uncomfortable circumstances that make you feel like you're going to die. God does not make you feel like you are in hell. God does not make you feel like if there's anything in the world that can make this from stop happening, please let it stop happening. God does not do those things to you. That's what happened to Muhammad. That's how he became a prophet of the Lord. In a cave... By himself. In a cave. By himself. And he says that God came unto him. 
just like that. He said that he felt the grip of the Lord around his chest. He felt the grip of the Lord around his throat. He couldn't breathe. He couldn't speak. He couldn't think. He was gasping for air, and he had no idea what to do. And that was the angel of the Lord forcing himself onto Muhammad. Does that sound correct? You don't even have to be a Christian to know that doesn't sound correct. God doesn't do that. God has never done that in the history of everything he created. From that point on, Muhammad literally plagiarized, like Vivek Ramaswamy, every single word of Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, and yes, Jesus of Nazareth. Literally, word for word. So much so that Muhammad even said, you have heard this said before by Abraham. You have heard this said before by Jacob. You have heard this said before by Moses. You have heard this said before by Jesus. These things that you hear, do these things because they were before me and I am merely echoing their words. That's what Muhammad said. Funny how we just kind of overlook all that. See, I want to know. I want to know. So I found out. So then, as Muhammad is teaching the other Muslims at that time about all of this, he's basically spreading the gospel. He's spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's spreading the words of the Torah to Muslim people who had idols. They were praying to idols. They were praying to idols like Egyptian, like the Egyptians did and, and made like clay items and all these idols and they prayed to them. They had many gods. So Muhammad was basically preaching the gospel and preaching the Torah, the Old Testament, to these Muslims and they literally had him excommunicated from Mecca. Mecca, you guys know Mecca, Medina, those two places? They had him excommunicated from Mecca. He was no longer allowed to be there because he was teaching these atrocities. So what did he do? He went to Medina. Once he went to Medina, he became a leader. They started following the words of God. The very same words that you and I speak today. What happened then changed the course of history. Then, because he became a leader, he started acting like Abraham in I mean, Moses in Leviticus, he started putting out rules. He started putting out new ways of living, his own ways. And they all centered around having an aggressive army, going out and killing non-believers. And that's what they did. So basically, the people that excommunicated him ended up being victims of his because he came back with an army of people as a leader, not as a person spreading the gospel or a prophet, came back as a leader and took an aggressive role and started killing everybody that was a non-believer. And yes, married a seven-year-old and had sex with her when she was nine and many other young girls. And once he went back to Mecca, he then took over Mecca and then he converted everybody into what he called Islam. He said, he's the final prophet. He came after Jesus. Listen to him. And there's Islam. Nothing but a lie from the minute that he was smothered in a sleep paralysis, demon-like scenario in a cave by himself to today. Nothing but a lie. And there's your history lesson for the day. And that's why I read things other than the Bible. False prophet. Very false prophet. Now, let me just tell you a story real quick before we end the show today. Man, Eli, I felt like, I, I feel like I'm going, what just, what just happened? Whew, what just happened? I let all that out. I've been doing some studying, folks. I want to know. I want to know. Now, last night, I started watching this show called Jonathan and Jesus. You guys know Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus on The Chosen? Well, they started filming his life around season one of The Chosen, a documentary, a docuseries, I should say. And um, I started watching that. And in this docuseries, what he's doing is he's trying to bring everybody together under the name of Jesus Christ. He's, he, Jonathan Rumi is an incredible person. He really is. He's, um, he's a Catholic, and he's a man of God. But in this docuseries, what he's doing is he's sitting down with um, 
He's sitting down with uh, denominational leaders. He's sitting down with um, uh, everybody from all different walks of life, from Catholics and from um, Protestants. And he's trying to bridge the gap because he understands that Satan is the one that created all these denominations. Satan is the one that worked to divide the church. And he's talking about, man, if Jesus was here right now, would he be happy about all these denominations? If Jesus was here right now, would he be happy about the division in his words and in his teaching? And the answer is no. Matter of fact, they talk about how Jesus would cry and weep if he saw the way that we fought each other. If he saw the way that I criticized Catholics, when really I should be criticizing the Catholic leadership and not the Catholic church as a whole. When he sees the way that Catholics criticize Protestants and the denominations, because they don't, it's, it's really funny too, because I look at the Catholic and the Protestant fight here is this. The Catholics are like, they have nothing. They're literally doing nothing. They have a room and an altar and a cross. Where's all the, the love and all this greatness and all this decor for God like they did back in the day when they had the temple and they had, you know, the, ten, they had the, uh, the, the, the covenant and all that? There should be some kind of ritual. And Protestants look at Catholics and go, you guys have too much. All the frill, all the glitz, all the glamour. What are you doing? Strip it down. It's just the word of God. And you've got this, you know, you've got this. When you should have this. Boy, the devil's working overtime. So if the devil's working overtime, then we should work overtime. And I've learned a lot over the last 24 hours. Done a lot of studying. I study at night. I study early in the morning. I'm constantly, constantly learning because I want to be a better Christian. Now, real quick here, just to show you guys that I am not, (laughs) I am not what some people think I am. I want to read for you a letter that I got from Larry Reha. Ready for this, Eli? Let me just see here if I can find it real quick. Right here. Here's Larry Reha to me. Now, this is somebody who's in the family, right, in our LFA family. And I'm reading this not to put him on blast, to put put me on blast. Okay, I got three minutes here. You know I stopped watching your show because of your name calling when I said you were praising Mike Johnson in the beginning. And instead of saying, yeah, I did praise him and I guess I just made a mistake. But instead you lashed out at me and said I was an idiot for saying that. That's not how that conversation went at all, by the way. You obviously still have anger issues and you're just too proud to apologize. And I will not promote or share LFA until I hear an apology. But I'm sure you think you're too big or too high and mighty to do such a thing. And you have a lot of people following you, so I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty much don't matter to you, and that's sad. You are one way on Rise Up and totally opposite on your news, calling me an idiot for discussing a topic, showing your true colors. I have a few friends that will no longer watch your show or promote your show because of this, and I am sure that you will never apologize because you don't really care about one person and what they think. You only care about yourself, and that's sad to see. Claim to be a man of God. Claim to be a Christian. Well, I think you're a fake and your action uh, with your actions, and I'm not the only person that believes that. Larry and everybody else, I apologize. And I'm not saying that in a condescending way. I'm saying that for real. I apologize that the things that I said to you caused you to feel that way because I wouldn't want anybody to make me feel that way as well. Now, I don't choose to get all worked up over things that people say to me because I've grown tough skin over the time. Uh, And a lot of the things I do need to hear. I do need to hear some of the things that people say, like shut up and stop swearing. But I, I I guess it's this. You take it how you take it. Treat people how you want to be treated. And I have never lashed out on anybody on Live from America unless they were consistently being a pest or an annoyance in the live chat, causing people to fight and divide and not watch the news. That's the only time I've ever lashed out at anybody. But for what I said to you as a Christian man, especially somebody who helped you in your journey with Jesus or God helped you through me, I don't want you to think that about me. So 
I apologize. And no, I don't think I'm better than anybody. As a matter of fact, I beat myself up daily because I think I'm worse than every single one of you in this chat. But, you know, everybody's got a story. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you for being here today. I say we need to do a lot less of this and a lot more of this. And I think we need to learn as much as we possibly can. Because if we don't, how are we ever to know what would Jesus do? Right? I'm going to take you out the same way I brought you in and out to some beautiful music. Praise, praise, praise the Lord by Brandon Lake and the Elevation Worship team. I love you guys very much. God bless you. Hey, Mike Crispy's starting right now, so I got to get ready to go. See you later, guys. I love you. I'm